you have your Bibles with you this morning, I would like for you to open to Acts, the 8th chapter. <clears throat> it's going to be our primary text this morning. <clears throat> and uh, if you don't mind, I, I would really like for you to use the text today. Last, uh, yesterday, when Curtis sent out all of our uh, assignments, uh, generally, uh, whoever's preaching, Tim or myself, we then send out the sermon title and the scripture reading with that. And uh, then uh, following up to that, whoever is going to be in the AV room uh, contacts the one who is preaching or teaching the class, whatever the case may be, and asks for the PowerPoint slides. So Rusty very diligently asked for the slides yesterday after he received the uh, assignments uh, when they went out. And I texted him back and I said, well, <clears throat> tomorrow I'm not going to use PowerPoint because I want everyone to use the text. I want to study from the text. But during the night, I repented. <laughs> and especially for the little ones, uh, the younger ones, I should say, uh, and those that so diligently fill out their notes on their papers that uh, they use every Sunday, so I wanted them to have something to see. But I want you to look at the text. It doesn't matter to me if it's an electronic text or a printed text. You know the Lord used a printed one, but you use whatever you want. It, the 1901 version was his. Well, this morning we're going to uh, look at the Bible study that took place <coughs> out in the desert between Philip and the eunuch. I'm glad to be back. We had a very good meeting uh, down in Athens this past week. And I want to say for several, several folks from Rolling Hills drove all the way down to North Alabama for the meeting. <coughs> Some on multiple nights did that. Well, that was such an encouragement to me. It was a great encouragement to that church. And uh, I, I appreciated that so very, very much. I know, I know that you have to listen to this preaching here a lot. And so for you to do that was, a, was quite a shout of encouragement to me. And I, I heard it, and I appreciated it very, very much. And the folks there did, too. Uh, made a difference. We had a very encouraging meeting uh, for that group there. Great attendance throughout the week, and uh, lots, of, uh, lots of good things happened. So I... I thank you for that, and I'm, uh, I'm glad to be back this morning and have the opportunity to study with you. Well, in, in Acts, the eighth chapter this morning, beginning in verse 26, Philip has been preaching in Samaria. He has enjoyed good results there. Lots of folks have learned the gospel and have been baptized into Christ, both men and women. I want you to note that before we start reading our text. Um, Back up in, uh, in verse 12, uh, of verse 11, the text says that they gave heed to him uh, because for a long time he had amazed them with his sorceries. That was about Simon the sorcerer, the, the one who was deceiving people with his uh, occult practices. But the text says in verse 12, but when they believed Philip, preaching the good tidings concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, 
they were baptized, both men and women. And here's what I want you to see. I want you to see that Philip has been working in Samaria. He's enjoyed great results for the kingdom there as the word has been preached and people have believed on Christ. And the text emphasizes that those uh, that believed on the name of Jesus, the good tidings, the good news about Jesus Christ, they were baptized both men and women. Now, beginning in verse 26, the text says, The angel of the Lord spoke unto Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south unto the way that goes down from Jerusalem unto Gaza. The same is desert. And let me just pause here and make a comment about the gospel. <clears throat> the gospel is for everybody. In fact, that's our first point this morning. The gospel is for everybody. <clears throat> but ladies and gentlemen, some people who need the gospel are, are living in places that are not so convenient to us. I mean, it would have been nice if this cabinet-level government official from Ethiopia would have been nice if he had just returned to, uh, let's say, Jerusalem or even <clears throat> gone on up to Samaria and found Philip there because Philip was already there. And he was preaching there and there were lots of converts there. Would have been more convenient. But, but I'm saying to you, sometimes, sometimes the people who need the gospel are not in a convenient location. And that's why folks make trips to New Zealand to preach and teach the word. And that's why folks make trips to China. And that's why folks make trips into Central and South America. And that's why folks make trips into Europe. That's why folks make trips into Africa and into South Africa to preach the gospel. And on this occasion, Philip heads south and he goes out into the desert. And he arose and went at the instruction of the angel of the Lord. He arose and went and behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, who was queen of the Ethiopians, who was over all her treasure, who had come to Jerusalem to worship, and he was returning and sitting in his chariot and was reading the prophet Isaiah. Okay, several observations here. First of all, <clears throat> discretionary time. I mean, what do you do when you're on a long trip? Listen to the radio? Are you put DVD players in your van so you can watch movie? Hopefully the driver doesn't, but so you can watch a movie. Or you pop a CD into the stereo and you listen to your favorite love gone bad songs and all of that. What do you do? 
I'll tell you what this man did. He took his text with him. And he read from the prophet Isaiah. That's, that's amazing to me. It's amazing, first of all, because you didn't have a Gideon Bible in every hotel room. They, uh, they didn't have copies of Isaiah just available everywhere. It was amazing that he had this. But he was a person of some authority. And it's amazing that he would spend his time riding in the hot desert. Have you ever tried to study in the scorching sun? It's not the easiest place, perhaps, to, to read and to study. And yet, for the hours that he was going to be passing through the desert, I suppose the scenery got monotonous at some point. There was sand, and then there was sand, and then there was more sand. And so I, he decided at some point along the way that he was going to read from the prophet Isaiah. I, I want to remind you of something. We can reflect on the Word of God in lots of places. And, and we need to think about what we do with our discretionary time. But, but this man is, the text says, he is a man of Ethiopia, and he was a eunuch, two things about him. He was a man of Ethiopia. No doubt, for all of those who were in Jerusalem, where he had gone to worship, and the surrounding area, uh, they would have looked at him and immediately said, uh, you're not from around here, are you? Because he did not look like them. He had a different skin tone. He spoke with a different accent. His clothes would have been different. The license registration on his chariot would have indicated he was from another place. He's not one of them. He's from Ethiopia, and the text says he was a eunuch. He's a eunuch. Well, we immediately remember, we immediately remember some Hebrews who were eunuchs, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. They weren't born eunuchs. Jesus said some men are born eunuchs, some are made eunuchs. These men were made eunuchs, and they were made eunuchs because, do you remember why? Because they were going to stand in the presence of the king. That would have been, for Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah, that would have been in 606 B.C. Well, we're into the first century now. It is some 600 years plus since then. But it's still very common that those who are going to serve closely and intimately with people of positions of power, those men were made eunuchs. And it was considered a, it was considered a security measure for the king or for the queen. But here is a man from Ethiopia who is a eunuch 
who's gone to Jerusalem to worship, even though he doesn't look like those people, he doesn't speak like those people, he doesn't dress like those people, yet somewhere along the way, he was a believer in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I don't know the answer to all of that. I just know that he was. And he had been there to worship. He was on his way back. And the text says, he's reading from the prophet Isaiah. And the Spirit said unto Philip, go near and join yourself to this chariot. And Philip ran to him. And he heard him reading Isaiah the prophet. Now, does that get your attention? He heard him reading from Isaiah. He was reading the scripture aloud. Do you ever do that? Do you ever read your Bible aloud so that you hear the words that you're reading and you're thinking about it? If, if you try to memorize blocks of scripture, I would tell you there's a lot of value in speaking it aloud. A lot of value in that. He was reading aloud the scripture, and Philip heard him reading Isaiah the prophet. And he said, but do you understand what you are reading? And the man said, how can I unless someone teach me or guide me? And, and he sought Philip to come up and sit with him. And, and the passage that he was reading from, Isaiah 53, he was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before his uh, shearer is dumb, so he opened not his... He, he's reading a very well-known messianic text. I mean, he doesn't know it. But all the threads are being woven to come into a perfect design pattern for preaching the gospel. He's reading a great messianic text. And, and now there's a preacher there, and this man who is obviously a God-believer, a God-fearer, a God-worshipper, he, he's asking, can you help me understand this? And the text says, and Philip opened his mouth, and beginning from this very scripture, he preached unto him Jesus. Now, Several things I want to say about the text this morning. First of all, this. I want you to appreciate in the text that the man who is reading from the prophet Isaiah is a man who needed the gospel. He was not a, he was not a Jew from Jerusalem. He was not living in Judea or Samaria. He was not one who was surrounded uh, by Jewish heritage as these others were perhaps uh, uh, back in Jerusalem, and yet he very much had a heart for God, and he was looking for truth. He was searching for truth, and God recognized that, and God in his providence is making sure that this man with this kind of heart is going to have the opportunity to hear the message of Jesus. And so Philip comes. This man is from Ethiopia. He's in the middle of a desert. What are your chances? What are your chances that you're going to meet a man from Ethiopia in the middle of the desert who's reading from the prophet Isaiah in his chariot and is going to ask you to explain it to him? What are the chances of that? Only God could have arranged this. 
only God could have. And we are reminded this morning that Jesus said, I want you to go into all the world and take the gospel to everyone, every creature. Take the gospel to everyone in all the world. That means even in the desert of Gaza. It means even in the Middle East. It means even in Europe. It means even in Asia. It means even in Africa and South America. It means even in Spring Hill and Franklin and Columbia. In Acts, the 10th chapter, we're reminded when, when uh, Peter goes to the house of Cornelius, he, he's had these visions and he's having this discussion with God when, when he's told, take and kill and eat. And Peter's saying, no, sir, I will not be eating those things that are unclean. I've never touched that stuff. I'm not going to start now. And God said to him, you do not call unclean what I have cleansed. Now, all of that was preparing Peter because Peter, from his Hebrew background, Peter, up to this point, is directing his gospel efforts only toward the Jews. And now, Cornelius is about to ask for some help in understanding the gospel. And God is going to send Peter there. And when Peter arrived and he saw what was going on, he said in verse 30, 34, Of a truth, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons, but in every nation he that fears him and works righteousness is acceptable to him. God is no respecter of persons. So, the Apostle Paul would say in Galatians 3, as many of us have been baptized into Christ, have put on Christ, for in Christ there is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female. We are all one in Christ Jesus. And so we can see in Acts the 8th chapter, there's not the people from Jerusalem and the people from Ethiopia. We're just one in Christ Jesus. The Apostle Paul said, I want to tell you something about the gospel. The gospel is for sinners, for sinners like me. And he said, if you think, if you think that God can't save you because you were a sinner, let me just tell you a thing or two about where I came from. And he, taught, and he said, I was a persecutor. I was injurious. I, I, I was binding men and women and taking them back to Jerusalem uh, to be afflicted, to be punished. I was of all men the chief of sinners. And his point in 1 Timothy chapter 1, if the gospel of Christ could touch my heart and change my life, and if God can forgive my sins then the gospel of Christ can touch your heart and it can change your life and God can forgive your sins. Ladies and gentlemen, one of the things that we learn from Acts the 8th chapter is that the gospel is for everyone. Secondly, I want you to appreciate the fact that the Bible is the essential element. The, the one thing that's happening here is this man with the honest and good heart opened the book and he was reading it. He was using it. And, and when, when Philip arrived, he took the open book and he began at 
that scripture. And using the scriptures, he taught him about Jesus. Let me say to you, a lot of things that pass off as Bible study today is not Bible study. It's discussion time. There's a difference between, oh, let's have a spiritual discussion, or let's study the Bible. There's a difference in those two things. A Bible study should be a spiritual discussion. But sometimes, sometimes we tend in our own sophistry to get all caught up in our own thoughts and our own wisdom and our own thinking, and we forget to study the text. And so the Apostle Paul would say to the Corinthians, uh, in 1 Corinthians 2, verses 1, he would say, Hey, you said you weren't very impressed with my preaching? And Paul says in so many words, I haven't lost one minute's sleep over that, that you weren't impressed with my preaching. I didn't come there to impress you with my words of wisdom. I didn't come there to impress you with my eloquence. I came there to present you with the message of Jesus Christ and him crucified. In 1 Corinthians 15, the apostle Paul said, here's the essence of the gospel. The death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I came there to bring you the essence of the gospel. If you're not impressed with that, it, it, it is of no consequence that you're not impressed with me. The book is the essential thing. Ladies and gentlemen, when we are trying to discuss Jesus Christ with other people, let's open the book. And use it. And let's let God tell the story that is his story about his only begotten son. Thirdly, honest hearts receive the word. I'll tell you what happens when you open the book and you study with a person. And you help them understand as Philip did with the eunuch. You help them understand the text. The Bible study is going to reveal the person's character. Somebody says, well, he really is, uh, he's an honest and a good man. You remember Luke the 8th chapter, the one with the honest and the good? He's an honest and a good man. Well, I'll tell you what, if he is, you don't have to tell me. If he is, it will be obvious. Because you know what happens when an honest and good man comes upon the truth, he receives it. And when an honest and good heart receives the truth over and over again in the book of Acts, what happens? He is baptized into Christ and he becomes a disciple of the Lord. In Acts the 8th chapter, when, when Philip began at that very scripture, he opened the book, he began at that very scripture and he preached unto him Jesus I'll tell you what happened. They came to a certain water, and the eunuch said, now here they are in the middle of the desert, reading from the prophet Isaiah, studying in the chariot, and they happened to come upon water. You just see the hand of God all over this. There's not just a lot of water in the desert. But they just come upon the water. And the eunuch saith, if you underline things in your text, you need to underline that. It was the eunuch who said, 
See, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? I, I point that out, ladies and gentlemen. I point that out because so often, so often in our eagerness to help someone know truth and to help them embrace Jesus and to help them receive the remission of their sins and, and be saved uh, from perdition and to help them become a disciple. So often, we are the ones who say, see, here is water. What, what hinders you from being baptized? No. On this occasion, it was the eunuch who said that. He has an honest and a good heart. Philip has been teaching him. Philip has, beginning at that very scripture, beginning at that very scripture, he taught him about Jesus. And he did not say as they came to water, let me tell you something. Let me tell you something, brother. You, you need to get baptized. If you're not going to get baptized, we're wasting our time here. I'm just going to go in and find somebody who will. I'll tell you right now, you need to get in the water. Why don't you get in the water? Give me three good reasons why you wouldn't get it. Philip's not having that kind of conversation with him. There is no pressure being put on him about that. God wants people to come to him not out of compulsion, not because they're being coerced, not because there is some motivating factor other than, listen, the word has had its effectual influence in the heart of that individual and turn them to God. That's why God wants a person to come to Christ in obedience. And if he's not coming to Christ in obedience, based on the motivation of the sincerity of his own heart, then whatever he's doing and whatever is happening otherwise is not going to affect the salvation that is desired. Honest hearts receive the word. And I, I would tell you something. The text says, beginning from that very scripture, do you see that in, I think it's in verse 35? Beginning from this scripture, the one in Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 53, he preached unto him Jesus. He preached unto him Jesus. Ladies and gentlemen, let's not forget the focal point of the gospel. It's Christ. He is the heart and center of everything that the gospel message is all about. The gospel is about Jesus, the Son of God who died for our sins. Let's teach and preach about Jesus. Now, here's what I want you to see. The Holy Spirit did not say, and beginning from that very scripture, he preached to him about baptism. It doesn't say that. And it doesn't say, and beginning from that very scripture, he preached to him about uh, a cappella singing in the, in the worship. It doesn't say it. And beginning from that very scripture, he preached to him about the Lord's Supper on Sunday. It doesn't say that. It said he preached to him Jesus. Now, I want to ask you something. Why do you think immediately after he had received this preaching about Jesus, why, as soon as he sees water, is he saying, hey, here's water, why can't I be baptized? And it would seem 
that there's something about preaching Jesus that includes the discussion about the teachings of Jesus. You can't preach about Jesus, who he is, what he was all about, without talking about what he said. And one of the things he said was, I want you to go into all the world and preach the gospel to everyone. Those that believe and are baptized will be saved. Those that don't believe, they're going to be lost. I'll tell you what happened in Acts, the second chapter on the day of Pentecost. Those that believed, verse 41 says, those that received the word were baptized. There were added to them that day about 3,000 souls. In Acts, Acts chapter 10, verse 5, God said to Cornelius, I, wa I want you to send to Joppa and fetch one Simon. But then when you continue reading on down in verse 22, he said, I want you to send to his house, send for him at this house so that you can hear words from him. So I want you to send for Simon. And then the second time this comes up, the Holy Spirit tells us, I want you to send for Simon so that you can hear words from him. And then the third time this comes up, when Peter is retelling the story in Acts chapter 11, he says in verse 13, that I heard the angel standing in his house saying, send to Joppa and fetch Simon, whose surname is Peter, who shall speak unto thee words whereby thou shalt be saved. I want you to send for the preacher who's going to tell you words whereby you can be saved. And so we are not at all surprised that in Acts the 16th chapter when the jailer said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They began to teach him about Jesus. And the outcome of teaching him about Jesus was in the same hour of the night he was baptized. And we are not surprised that when Ananias came to Saul of Tarsus after three days of his blindness, he said to him, Now why are you tarrying? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. Beginning from that very scripture, he preached unto him Jesus. Ladies and gentlemen, the preaching of Jesus, the preaching of Jesus ultimately reveals what is in the heart of an individual. And those with the honest and good heart in responding to that teaching will obey him as Lord and Master. And obedience to Jesus as Lord and Master will include baptism into Christ for the remission of sins. Someone says, well, I, I want to tell you, I just, I just really don't, I, I don't see... I don't see the importance of that. I don't see the need of that. I don't see, I don't see. And, and, and I want to say to you, that's really not the question at all. It's not even the point. The point is, open the book. And what does the word say? It is important, ladies and gentlemen, when we study with people about Jesus, it is important to open the book and let them hear and see, and read, and embrace the words of the Lord. Why tarriest thou? 
If someone is a believer in Jesus as the Son of God, understanding his lostness, and wants to do what is right, why, why would he care? Peter did not have to push or shove or twist the arm of, uh, Philip did not have to push or shove or twist the arm of the eunuch to get him in the water. The eunuch was the one running to the water, asking Philip to come and baptize him. If you're here this morning, you're not a Christian. I want you to understand that our salvation is in Jesus Christ. We preach Jesus. One of the things that he's asked us to do in following after him is to be buried in baptism with him and to his death and to be resurrected to walk in new life. If you've never done that this morning, we bid you come in obedience to the gospel. If you're a child of God, if you are a child of God who needs to come home, we bid you come while we stand and sing.